0: Hello and welcome to Inside Music, episode number 126. I'm your host James Shotwell and it's great to be with you again. I'm trying to speak slightly slower this week because a avid listener of the show has been writing in saying that they were transcribing episodes of the podcast for their class and that I speak at a speed a little bit too fast for them. Well, maybe not too fast, but I get it. It's a pain in the ass. Anyways, welcome to Inside Music. You're source for conversations about life in the music industry that's the tag i just made up we probably won't use it again just disregard it anyways on this episode of the show it's kind of crazy we have the number one rock band in north america on inside music today Yes, a perfect circle has stopped by the show to discuss their brand new album their upcoming tour dates and what it's like to return from a 14 year break as a band and not only be welcomed back with open arms, but to have one of the best-selling rock albums of the year so far be your first release after all that time. I gotta be honest with you, when I was a kid in high school, which is how long it's been since A Perfect Circle released an album, I never thought that the day would come when I could interview them. Even in the 10 years that I've been writing about music, A Perfect Circle was always one of those mythical bands, perhaps because of the members of the group and you know the stories behind them. They were always one of these, you know crazy high level rock acts that never kind of were small as soon as a perfect circle burst onto the scene they were one of the biggest bands in the nation and when they disappeared in 2004 they were still a gigantic rock band And look they've returned bigger than ever arguably with an album that is unlike anything they've done so far it's cinematic in a way few records ever attempt to be and it's filled with doom and gloom yet It's listenable, you know, it's not a downer record. I mean, it is a downer in the fact that there are songs that are sad and there's a lot of morose themes and topics, but it's just so beautiful. It's really hard to turn off. Before we get to this episode, I do need to bring up a few quick things. For starters, this episode of Inside Music and all episodes of Inside Music is brought to you by Holix, the music industry's leading digital promotional distribution company. What that means is that Holix works with record labels, Publicists and independent artists from all over the world to share new and unreleased music without fear of piracy. To find out how they do that and learn more about the service, visit holix.com. That's H A U L I X.com. And we have a special offer for Inside Music listeners. If you visit this month and sign up, you will receive your first month of service absolutely free. Again, that's holix.com. Haulix.com. com. I also have a new bit of information for you. Next week, on May 19th, I will be hosting a live version of Inside Music. Yes, our very first live recording. It will be taking place in Chicago at the Beyond the Music Industry Workshop. And my guests will be... I'm not going to tell you all my guests, but I will say that Alex Smith, the merch guy for Sleep On It, and Allison Lanza, one of my favorite industry personalities, period, and a wonderful merch person, Will be two of the guests, and there is a third that you'll just have to show up to find out about. But it's going to be a good time. We're closing out this day-long event, and you can get tickets online for just five dollars. So visit the Holics Daily blog, visit just type in Beyond the Music Chicago, or visit us on Twitter at Inside Music Pod or at Inside Music P O D for more details. And finally, I want to encourage you to support a Perfect Circle. I know I just said that they had one of the biggest albums in the world right now, which is true. But you know, let's be honest. Rock and roll isn't what it once was. The number one genre in the world right now is easily pop music, arguably hip-hop or something a little bit more urban, but rock and roll has kind of fallen out of the spotlight. With this record, A Perfect Circle proves that there's not only still a place for rock, but that rock can dominate the world as long as the songs are good and the audience is there. So if you're a rock fan and you've been itching for that next album that's going to captivate your life, seek out what A Perfect Circle is working on. And also catch them live. The group is doing a lot of festivals this month. I know they're playing Northern Invasion over Mother's Day weekend. I believe they're at Rock on the Range. And I think they are doing at least one more show in there somewhere. Maybe they did Carolina Rebellion. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But they are doing a lot of festivals. So also get out and do that, okay? This has been a long intro. So I'm gonna go ahead and play a little bit of music. And then we're gonna get to the conversation with The Perfect Circle. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll talk to you soon. How are you doing? Uh I hope you're not too burnt out from a day of conversations with other people.
1: Uh,
0: no. The quick, quick 90 minutes. <laughs> how uh how long have you been on the promotional show for this album now? I feel like I feel like it's the big build-up until the album release, and then you usually get like a breather and then you kind of hit it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We did we've done a ton of press for this record. Um uh, it's yeah i'm I'm not as overwhelmed as I might have been like three weeks ago or something like
0: that. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of the interviews that you've done up till now, and uh, even some of the ones I read this week, they all were kind of uh, conducted before the album come out, so I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm catching up with you in two different ways today yeah (laughs) well um in most of these conversations you were kind of talking about being caught in that that weird that weird three-month stretch kind of between the album's done and then people get to hear it so now that we're you know two weeks on the other side of people getting to hear it how are you feeling about things um
1: good but i i have to say i feel a little disconnected from it i I don't know if that's a process or the product of being older or not being on tour. So I'm back in my own little world. Um, you know, I get kind of reports like our manager will give Manor and I like updates of how it did, you know, if it sold or not, or, you know, things like that. So it's like, okay, cool. Like it, (laughs) it feels a little until you're out playing, um, it's kind of just watching it on TV for me a little bit
0: well there's also that thing i think whenever you you have like that big build up to something coming out like there's a part of you that thinks it's going to come out and then something's going to change and then it comes out and you wake up saturday morning and you're like oh i'm still billy like right. it, it's uh well just okay so it's saturday now <laughs>
1: right <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, not that I thought anything
0: was going to change, but it
1: certainly is. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, to answer your question specifically, not not much has not much has changed. You know, I just truly like a week, a week and a half off, which is weird. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. If I'm doing anything work related, it's just working on what's coming next. Mm. So, you know, I'm kind of putting. Putting my next um, album together in concept for Ashes Vibe for next year, so I'm kind of skipping into that mode. So I guess I'm disjointed a bit.
0: Well, you have to be happy with how things have been going so far. It was, uh, it was. I mean, I was. We we were talking at Hollis. You're pretty excited when we woke up Monday morning to the sales, to all the sales numbers and things like that. I mean, are you some of the concerns yourself with that? But I mean, in the age of people buying records, it's has to be good to see.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, but it's also one of those things they give you the sales figures and they go and you have to ask, "Okay, is this good?" And then they go, <laughs> "Yeah, great." So, okay, great. Yeah, is you
0: know? this what is this good now? What what is this? What is yeah, I get that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, in in 2018 is this good? You know. Um So, yeah, it's it's exciting and it's, you know, obviously everything is is weighted. So, as far as everything weighted goes, it was an amazing it was an amazing release for us mm-hmm. and um you know, and now on to the next thing, which is the shows so yeah, I mean it's great, but whether if it was terrible, it wouldn't derail us, and if it was great, it doesn't derail us, so we're just kind of going with the flow and you know continuing on.
0: Mm. Yeah, it really is Uncharted Water, a band having not put out a record for 14 years. You don't really know what's going to happen. And even I myself, there's there's this thing, you know, in the last you know, five, ten years, it's gotten this nostalgia circuit has kind of really emerged in the world of rock and alternative music. And there are some bands that kind of step back into the spotlight, and they just kind of go to that circuit where they're like, and now they're a nostalgia act, kind of, like an early nostalgia act. And then there are bands that kind of come back, and it's, it's almost as if they've never left. And, it was so kind of. It was so cool to see those numbers come in because I heard when I heard the album, I was like, "Oh, they did something different, and they're back, and and people are going for it." It's it's like the best of all all worlds as a fan,
1: right? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I guess for you, that it's way, probably
0: the best of all worlds too. <laughs> I and I don't mean to underplay it whatsoever.
1: I just don't want to get too hung up on feeling like we did something of worth because it was received that way or not. Yeah. You know. Yeah. and so that's a really hard it's a it's a hard thing to have reservation about and um but it, you know i i feel like one of these days we're going to go out and have drinks and celebrate this record we just haven't done <laughs> that yet so that's why i maybe that's what it need. that's what i need to um have it kick into reality
0: yeah yeah probably well i think you said like you guys have the shows coming up and you're doing a lot of the big festivals so i think that'll probably help sink it in a little bit
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's really nice. I mean, I've had people reach out and give some kind words, and you know, and and I've and I've looked at. I know this is the kiss of death. You shouldn't do it, but I feel like I'm in a place where I can do it. Um, to look at reviews or like you know, how people are receiving the record, it's it's interesting to me because I think everyone goes through that in their own way. Whether you're putting out a record. Or you're putting up a picture on social media and you you kind of want people to see it and react to it. I mean, everyone kind of goes through that today and um, you have to be ready for whatever comes your way. You know?
0: Absolutely. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the inspiration for the record. I was reading mm-hmm. another interview that you did where you had mentioned that your experience doing some composing work on film had really informed the album a little bit and I wanted to speak a little bit more about how you got into that because I haven't actually seen, I I watched the trailer for D-Love today because I couldn't, I haven't seen the movie. So I wanted to kind of do some research on what was happening, what you were talking about, but can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved in that and like what that, why that experience was, you know, so big for you? Well, it's kind of what I always wanted,
1: but not where I thought it would come from. You know, I always wanted to score a movie, um, I wanted the, you know, cake and eat it too scenario of having it be a director that wants me. And um, it wound up being, you know, good friends of mine that made a feature film and then asked me to compose it. So, um, you know, they first asked me to be in the movie as an actor. And so they're, that, that's kind of the first thing. And they said, and of course we want you to score it too. You know, it's kind of that afterthought thing. Of course. Um, So, and to be honest, the acting part was was certainly a lot more fun and a lot quicker um, than it is to compose music for a movie. And, you know, I wound up being music supervisor, which is, if you know what that is, you know, picking, picking songs that are going to go into it and then trying to get them cleared and licensed. And that's a whole, God, that took at least as long as the music did to compose. So it was... It was great, but I became all things production, or I wouldn't say all things. I became a lot of, I was the right-hand man to the uh, director, Elena, to kind of technically go along this ride with her for her first film. So it was, it was awesome in a lot of ways, but musically, you know, trying to figure out how to write music for something that I normally wouldn't do and and what she wants there was just intimidating and, and really challenging and, and really rewarding, too. It was, God, I can think back of sitting in this room. I mean, I'm in my studio right now, and she'd be sitting on the couch on her laptop, probably working on, you know, the other business part of the movie. And I would just keep composing, and she's listening. And once in a while, she would say, oh, that, that's amazing, you know. Great. And it was really nice having that feedback in that moment, especially when you're, you know, writing film for, a mu- for music or a film, you just never know if someone's going to connect with it. So it was I was lucky to have that.
0: I I love I saw a quote where you said that the you know the person that scores a movie is the last storyteller and I really believe that's true and it's a sentiment that I don't think a lot of people really realize what the impact of a score can be to a movie and when you were just talking about that how uh, I can't imagine the process of trying to score a movie the the pressure of being like is this the mood like am I because you know that you're kind of dictating how people will feel with what's happening on screen.
1: You're yeah you're 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 informing the audience this is a suspense movie and not a tense drama you know this is yeah (laughs) there's comedy here and it's the comedy is so tragic that we really need to know that you know like it's really hard to do especially if you're a novice like me i mean you know there's plenty of great examples to draw from but everything is so unique and it's a it's not one size fits all with movies you know it's there's so much work that goes into it. And, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's like, in a way, I think everyone should go to therapy just for the, for the sake of going, because I think you wind up talking in a different way Mm. than you normally would, whether you continue on or not, everyone should take an acting class and everyone should see how a movie's made. It'll really like test the metal of who you are.
0: Yeah. You know, it's true it's true I think there are some things in life where if you look behind the curtain so to say it can kind of ruin it for you but in movies it's almost more magical when you realize how many things have to work yeah, yeah. <sighs> and, Absolutely. And, and I just saw um, A Quiet Place the yeah. movie A Quiet Place oh man did you see it yes I have
1: yeah I, I really love that movie I think it was so well done in so many ways and 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 this isn't a but or addendum to it, it's just like the music itself, the character of that music in the movie was incredible and had such a it had so much heavy lifting to do and did it so well. Yeah.
0: And, and that's a great example of a film that makes people kind of realize, like you never under, you know, people don't understand the power of silence in a movie until something like that kind of emphasizes it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. W- when you were speaking about roles in a movie, I was, I always think I, I would, I've always found it fascinating, but I've always been somebody that was like, if I could have a dream job for me, it's always been music supervisor. Cause I feel like you get to make mixtapes every week. Like that's the closest you get to a professional mixtape maker is a really good music supervisor. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, until you're until you're on a movie with no budget. Like I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it,
1: it was maddening. I mean, I could imagine it's awesome when you're you know into a eight figure
0: exactly. budget
1: movie, but um you know I called in a lot of favors, but then again, it wasn't just people I knew that wouldn't fit. You know, they had to fit. So it's like, yeah, I know a lot of musicians and a lot of bands, but they're not necessarily going to fit in this movie. So. Um, Yeah, that that was a hard job. I have to say, music supervisor was a tough job, and then clearing it, getting clearance, and like dealing with publishers and writers and lawyers and stuff—that was tough.
0: I used to I used to work in licensing a little bit, and I remember getting phone calls where people would be like, "Listen, we can't afford Sweet Home Alabama, but I need Sweet Home Alabama Light. Like, you know, just I need you to find me the closest thing to Sweet Home Alabama that I can afford." And you're like, "All right, right." Right. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, there was two there was
1: two places where I was determined to put opera music in this movie, and and it should be really easy. And there's all these there's all these um, resources where you can go and you know listen to tons of them, and then you realize, oh shit, not everything is the same. And you know we've listened to hundreds of cues of opera music. And then when you look at the movie, you'll see if you ever see the movie, it's just it's so superfluous
0: to the scene. But if it was wrong, it was it was so distracting that it took you out. Hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you do it right, no one notices.
1: Right, exactly. (laughs) That's the whole point: to not be a distraction. Get out of the way, support, and get out of the way.
0: Hmm. Well, on on the
1: idea, like your, I guess, go ahead. Okay, here's my here's my clever and clever uh, analogy. You are, you're this really scary monster that's lifting a raft out of the water and saving the the occupants from the tidal wave that's coming. But if you stick your fingers up and stick in the, you know, poke into them, that's frightening because they know a monster's right under them. So all you can do is try and lift it up purposely and then, okay, that was bad. All right. Didn't work. It sounded better in my head before I started coming out. Um, Fine. Yeah.
0: Absolutely fine. And moving on, Uh, I do want to ask you a little bit. You know, I I I want to ask you about the idea behind the album art. Like, when when did that come along in your creative process? Was that something that, as a band, you kind of put together, or did that come out of you know working on the music? When did that image come into your head?
1: That came from Maynard.
0: Maynard. So that's all right.
1: Yeah, this is Maynard's baby. Whereas I feel like the first record that was my baby. This was his. he, He took the reins on this guy
0: so is that when when something like that is discussed is it, is it an email is it like i had i have an idea or is it this is what we're doing
1: uh no he told he he, he we were on a flight and he told me about look i got a concept for it trust me i you know it's it's gonna seem this it's gonna seem that and um just trust me on this you know and that's all he's got to say i mean we both kind of pick our battles and and see you know we're in a we're in a relationship where it's like any other there's compromise. And then there's when you put your foot down and then there's where you take it, you, you kind of let the other person talk and,
0: and you have trust. I, I do love Maynard, but hearing how cinematic some of the, some of this record gets, do you think we could hear you do more instrumental work in the, in the future kind of in this area? I feel like, I feel like now that you've composed and then hearing this album, it's like the, the perfect middle ground would be this instrument, something instrumental from you.
1: It's funny that I, you know, in doing the next, um, him working on this next Dash of Divide record, I just listened to a handful of the songs the other day. And I, I don't know, it's just because I'm singing them, but I thought, you know, it'd be interesting to release this as an instrumental. Um, And then it goes, yeah, then writing something with an instrumental in mind um, would be much, different i think i I think it'd be really hard i think it'd be uh, like i might be really second guessing things overly at that point because the you know the, the vocal provides provides so much i mean um to keep my attention long enough to keep wanting to listen to it over and over would have to be something unique
0: yeah, and I guess if you're doing composing, it's really you kind of have there is a bloop. There's something else. There's another component to what you're doing. But if it's straight up instrumental, you have to you kind of have to figure out how to tell a narrative that is compelling without with only one one tool almost. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you could pull it off nonetheless. You have my faith. Yeah. well speaking to uh speaking up to the upcoming month you guys you do you do have these uh you have these gigs coming up are you excited to get out there and you know bring these songs to the people it is i'm i'm excited to see you guys live this month i'll see you at northern invasion i uh i just like seeing how high you are on the list because it's such kind of a somber album and i'm excited to i'm excited to see it brought to life it'll be darker hopefully by the time you guys go on at some of these shows and I think, you yeah. know, I'm interested to see how it sounds live.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm always excited for that. You know, it's, it's, um, the live is, I used to get asked this in the beginning, like or in the first few years of Perfect Circle, what do you like more, studio or live? And I was always like, yeah, it's 50-50. And now I'd certainly say it's live. Mm-hmm. Um. I wouldn't yeah, guess that. at all. About you. Yeah, I really? at all. Yeah. No, I, I I love, I love touring and I love playing live. I miss my family when I'm out on the road, but it's. I I I I like the ritual. I even like the day to day part. And you know, I'm I'm speaking from, I know from a kind of a privileged space with that because we're you know we're playing bigger places and we're not. We have a hotel room when we need it. and We're on a tour bus, you know. Exactly. Plugging it out in a van. Um. You know, and I like that part too, but I was in my twenties when I was doing that in being a roadie and you know, I mm-hmm. still like the adventure of that. I don't think I would like that in my forties. So um yeah, I I love playing for sure.
0: Are you planning to bring a lot of the new record out to these shows? I mean I I obviously there's gonna be people who are expecting the older stuff, but since this is so new and it's been so long, I'm I'm curious how much new material kind of filters into the set list.
1: Um, you know, I used to be more, I mean, and used to be, I'm talking about recent history, um, <laughs> involved writing the set. And more recently, just I'm putting that into Maynard's lap as to what he, what does he want to sing that day, you know? So he's, he's staring the ship on the set list mm-hmm. for the most part.
0: Now, do you guys do a lot of rehearsals before you go out? Or is this, a, like, how many songs, can he just pick any songs in the catalog for you guys to play that day? Are you ready to go or... Is there like, you know, 20, 20 that, that you know really well and the rest maybe, maybe need a little more time?
1: Well, interestingly, you know, we have a new we have a replacement for James Eha, who's going back to the Smashing Pumpkins for their mm-hmm. reunion tour. So um, Greg Edwards is, is filling in for James, Greg Edwards from Failure and Autolux, who we're you know, honored and excited to have out. You know, we've, so we've done a few shows, we've done a week of shows with him and everything was great. He doesn't know everything from the past so whereas with james we could probably pick out most any song as long as we just did it in soundcheck that day um with greg yeah we i don't know how many songs we kind of put together maybe it was like 30 or 25 26 something like that um yeah so we're we'll keep chipping away at it when we get some headline shows and do some sound checks but like you mentioned northern invasion is first I think that's our first show. Yeah. That's our first show coming up. So we have a lot of festival shows that we're, you know, we're going to jump right back in with no rehearsal. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't, we haven't, we will not have played for over two weeks when we play that show, like no sound check.
0: That's another example of something that when you were in your twenties probably would have sounded kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. But you know, it comes with that that's one of those great things about being able to actually have a long term career in music. You get to a point where that's something you can do. And it has to feel that that has to feel kinda of nice to be able to have that breath. Be like, we can do this. I can show up in sure. two weeks and be able to play. We'll all be ready yeah, to go. That, I, yeah, I'm I'm somewhat
1: I'm somewhat uh you know, I'm not totally
0: feeling without pressure about it. <laughs> <laughs> well that I mean, then you wouldn't be alive, right? Pressure's yeah pressure right. first part of living. Well, I, I thank you so much for talking to me, man. This the album is someone I spent a lot of time with, and it's it's so funny because it came out and it was still it was still basically winter. I live in Michigan, so it was still basically a hellscape here. Um, and, and then this last week as I've been getting ready for this interview it's been like 90 degrees for four days in a row and I love the album but there are mornings when I'm, and I'm trying to get ready and it's just like 90 degrees and the album is like it's a lot of doom and gloom for me because I don't like the heat <laughs> and the album, album yeah. fuels it for me I'm just like I'm over this
1: uh, but I, right. I can't wait to right. see
0: you guys next week at Northern Invasion I, I think it's going to be incredible uh, thank you for taking the cool. time to talk to, to me you. today man I really appreciate it yeah good talking to you too Bye. have a great day did will like Jesus.